Hi, I'm Jen Naughton, and this is Bookish Society Secrets. In case you stumbled upon us, here's the sitch. We give you the inside dish, spoilers included, about the latest and greatest new books for kids and teens. Because I live by the mantra, so many books, so little time, I'm using this corner of the internet to boost authors and their stories. Hello. Today I'm chatting with Reem Faruqi, the author of Unsettled, which is not out yet, but will be soon on May 11th, 2021. Hi, Reem. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your book? Yes. So Unsettled is a novel in verse and there are experiences in there that are loosely based on my life. It's about immigration. Like um, my character's name is Noura and she moves all the way from Pakistan to Peachtree City, Georgia. And just her experiences on a new land, finding her voice, making friends, that type of thing. I've read it and I love it. I love I'm like a newcomer to novels in verse. Good, good. I'm so glad. I think a lot of kids are going to really connect with it. And gosh, I just, I couldn't wait to talk to you. I'm so excited. I have a whole list of questions. So good. good. Hopefully I'll answer them the right way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the right way is your way. Um, So I know you're a teacher, but how did you get started writing? Um, So I used to teach second grade, right? For like four years. And, um, So when I had my first daughter, I stayed home and I thought, you know, I'm going to be an awesome author (laughs) because I used to read picture books every day at after recess for read aloud time. And it was like my favorite part of the day. And I think some of the students favorite part of the day. So when I started writing picture books, I learned quickly that it's a lot easier to read, but a lot harder to write picture books. So it took me a few years in 2015. That was five years after I started writing. And I had another baby when I got my picture book deal for Layla's Lunchbox. So technically, I was a picture book author first. Oh, so let's talk a little bit about picture books. So picture books, okay. I, I think, are like, what, like 500 words? Yes. So some of them can be longer. Like I feel like my newest one, Amir's Picture Day, might be near. 700. I need to check the word count, but they are shorter, a lot shorter than middle grade novels. Yeah. So is that harder or easier? Because you have, I would assume you have to get to the point faster. Yes. Ah, that's a good question. So I think with copy edits for middle grade, definitely like triple hard. But I think when writing a picture book um, and the idea is there, it's like the best thing ever and it's easy-ish. But editing a picture book can take months because you're really getting each word perfect and you're constantly chopping out words and critiquing it because there's only so much you have to work with. So every line has to count. Whereas in middle grade, I felt there's almost a little more freedom with getting words out. Like I didn't have to be like, oh my gosh, this word needs to be perfect because another word could be perfect, you know? Yeah, I bet. And then how does it work? Do you get to, do you have any input with the illustrations for the picture book? Yes, I do. And I probably, my husband is saying, he's like, gosh, you are too hands-on. You just let these people do their work. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I just love illustrations and I love giving feedback. So yeah, I think I have, I, I'm very visual. So I feel like in my head, sometimes there's a specific image. Like even when we're going back and forth with book jacket, I'm like, oh, can we get the smile a little like this? And can we do the color background like this? So I think I'm probably maybe more hands-on and I hope the illustrators like working with me. <laughs> you know? Well, you'll find out if they if they come back and when they want to do another yeah. book or not. Yeah. And you know what? Usually um, the publisher chooses them. And I've been really lucky. I had Lee Lyon for Layla's Lunchbox and she did such a beautiful job with watercolors. I was asked what type of style I wanted and it was watercolors. And then Fahmida Azim did Amira's Picture Day and she did such a good job with the face expressions and just amazing. Like I love the favorite part of a picture book is seeing the words and the pictures almost like get married. And it's like, it's a work of art. I love that part. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I am a big proponent of using picture books far, far into outside, outside of the age range that they normally are. I mean, a good picture book is, is good up to, you know, seventh and eighth grade sometimes. Yes. Even for me, like, I usually just get picture books. Now I get a lot more middle grade, but for adults, picture books are life-changing. Oh, I agree. I agree. And you know what? You're never too old to listen to a good story. And I think that's the, let's look the definition of a good book. Is it like, is it good for everyone to listen to? Because if it's good, then everyone likes it. And you don't really have to worry so much about, is it, you know, a third grade book or a ninth grade book or an adult book? Because... It's all storytelling. Yes, I love picture books. (laughs) All right. So I know Unsettled was based, well, it's like based a little bit on your experiences, but with a twist, right? Yes. So I guess you didn't have to do much research because you you sort of lived it. How How did that work? So it was funny. Um, I have three brothers and in the book, there's one brother. It's hard enough developing one brother character yeah so my brothers are reading it and they were like hey some of the stuff actually happened and I didn't say that which brother did that and then I would tell them the answers and they were like no I didn't do that I didn't say that so I guess it's like my experiences what I remember but fictionalized um so yeah a lot of it with the immigrant experience, I felt like a lot of it was mine, like coming here, you know, where the air felt different, the water tasted different, the accents were different. And then some of it was experiences of other immigrants that I'd heard about and I just sort of wove into the story. And other parts were just like pure imagination because I needed like to add tension and make it a plot. <laughs> so that was a lot of adding stuff there too. Yeah. So did you intend on writing this in verse from the start? No, um, it was actually in prose and I sent it to my first agent. Uh, it was like Ilsa Kran and she read it and the sentences were shorter and almost like, um, like it sounded like verse. So when she read it, she said, you know, the voice is there. It's coming along. Did you intend for it to be verse? And it wasn't written in verse. Like the sentences weren't spaced out that way and they weren't that level yet and I remember thinking no but let me check so I remember checking out all these library books on verse and um, really falling in love with verse and thinking I didn't know that was even an option for me like I didn't know I could write a verse novel so I took unsettled and I just chopped it all up in verse and I got rid of some parts and I felt like it just 
breathed a lot more. It it just was better. It didn't. It wasn't as clunky. It just flowed, and I loved that about verse. Yeah. So with the verse, not to get too academic, but I know that mm-hmm. I know that some kids are listening. Okay. Do you get to be a little more creative with your punctuation? Yes. So I love that. (laughs) It's so much fun um, because you can sort of break the rules here and there. But copy editing, I don't think likes that because uh, when they edit a verse novel, they'll come back and they'll say, hey, this actually needs punctuation and this doesn't. And then I can say, no, let's just keep it this way. And that's been really fun. Yeah. Like, for example, there's two words in the book. Um, It's very quiet and I capitalized very and I capitalized quiet. And technically... They didn't need to be capitalized, but I wanted them capitalized. And the editor, um, Allison Day, liked it. But um, I think for copy editing, technically, that's not accurate. Like, you know, it's not it was not a full sentence. So right. sort of play around with that a bit more. Oh, gosh, that sounds fun. I mean, you really get to not only do you get to create the story, but, you know, when you get to play around with language like that, it's um yeah. It's just got to be a great experience. Yes. And you can make the word sort of jump on the page. Like, I think you read the arc, but in the latest one that comes out in May, um, I went back in, I changed the word dive to like breaking up D on one line, I on the other, V on the other, and E and like uh, making it diagonal. So, oh, so it's like you're diving. Yeah. Yeah, So that was really fun. I went back in there at the end and I was like telling copy editing, let's make dive, dive and jump, jump and hop, hop. And they probably were like, Oh my gosh, Reem, they did it. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. It's so much fun. I think verse is so freeing because you can just make the words have fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of the, the very cool parts of being a, an author anyway. Um, yes. But I just feel like it's just a really like a more unlimited sandbox when when you switch to verse because it makes it just more fun to look at the pages, like when you're breaking yes. up words like that. And I feel like especially for readers who are maybe would normally be intimidated by a longer book when it's written in verse, there's so much more empty space on the page that it, it makes it seem a lot more doable. And then once they've read a whole novel in verse, they really, they have that confidence to pick up, you know, maybe another book that's not in verse because now, you know, they can read, you know, 300 or 400 pages. Yes. I love that too. And I'm even an adult and I'm intimidated with by books with a lot of words. So I love verse for any age. I think it just, it's refreshing for your eyes and even your mind. It gives you that space to think on each page. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, you really, the story sort of settles in a little differently. Like, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but you're right. It does. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it either. And that's kind of funny because you said settles and my book is unsettled. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. The words will still settle in. <laughs> and it was hard for Nora to settle into life in um, in Peachtree City, which, you know, side note, would be <laughs> in my top 10 places to live because I'm obsessed with golf carts. I just yeah. love the idea that like 
and I, you know, we don't eat a ton of fast food, but the fact that when we visited there, there was a drive-through lane that was golf cart size. Yeah, I love it. Was so, so cool. Yeah, we didn't, we were, my mom wanted us to get exercise. So like once we all grew up, then she got the golf cart. And now <laughs> it's sort of funny, but we they have a golf cart now, but we don't go on it as much but we have done um drive through with wendy's frosties in the golf cart and it's really fun yeah it just seems like really fun to drive that around and and they're electric usually right so yeah so you can barely hear them on the golf cart path which is a bit um scary when you're walking sometimes and for people who don't know basically peachtree city is connected by like i don't know how many miles of golf cart paths and some of the houses have little tiny golf cart garage doors and I don't know what exactly captured my imagination with that place but I just it's just so different from any other like typical suburban town in America yeah like maybe there's other golf cart towns someone will tell me but I don't know it's and it's so nice most of the year in Georgia that you know, you really, it's not like, well, you're not using your golf cart for so many months when it's snowing because it yeah. doesn't. So that's funny you say that because when we moved, um, I actually moved from Abu Dhabi. It didn't feel so nice. Like it was freezing in winter to me. And probably like you said, you live in Chicago, right? Yeah. So probably for you, it must have been like nothing. But for me, I remember um, we would wait for the bus and I was like freezing. And I think I put in my book where the character Nura waits for the bus and she's not used to the cold. Like it was just, we had like summer all year round. So for us, even just wearing those puffer coats felt like, whoa, it's so cold. Even like the first, and even though it doesn't always snow, it still gets cold in Georgia to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I am comparing it as like a Midwesterner. So to me, I thought the summers were unbearably humid. Yes. Very hot. Very hot and just very sticky. And yes, it's more, I don't know, like we get hot. I don't know. Chicago, I think has like the worst weather. We get, we get hot and sticky. We get hot and dry. We get, we get very, very cold. We get we get a lot of snow and then, you know, somewhere in the middle, we get like, you know, two and a half months of perfect weather and we all stay outside during that time. Um, that sounds nice. The good weather part. The good weather part, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's why if it's ever 70 degrees, it's just everyone is outside everywhere because it's not too hot and it's not too cold and get out there. Take um, advantage of it. I loved yeah. reading all of the descriptions of food in Unsettled. Good. I love food, <laughs> especially no. right now it's Ramadan. So food is especially delicious. But yeah, um, I did put a recipe in the back for aloo kebabs. I was just um, with editing the recipe at the end of the book was a bit challenging because I'd already been in the novel. And for me, this was my first novel. So it felt like so many words. So by the time we had to edit the recipe, it's hard like getting the right amount of potatoes and they wanted to know what size the potatoes needed to be and how long they needed to be boiled for and I felt like that was a lot of work getting that recipe right but I did see someone um, make the aloo kebabs and that was really awesome oh I'm gonna try and make them yeah I I, I feel like I need to take a picture of like the potatoes and send it to you and be like okay are these about right (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it, it is funny. There's so many recipes like that where now that my kids are older, they'll call me and say, you know, I'm trying to make this thing you make and you know, how much of this or that? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's so much of cooking is just, you know, you just know how to make it. Um, yes. And I really yeah. wish like I had more recipes from, you know, older people in my family that have passed away because it's something you just don't think about. It's like, you know, you go to someone's, you know, some aunt's house or your grandma's house and they make a certain thing and it's delicious and no one thinks to ask for the recipe. I know it is, it is challenging. And I'm, um, yeah, my family's much better at cooking than I am, but I do need to get all their recipes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's the one thing I tell everyone, like always ask people for recipes because, you know, you can, you can cook that thing and it sort of, you know, brings them back a little bit. Yes, that's a beautiful way of thinking. Yeah. You should um, be an author. I am I am working on it. I'm actually writing a middle grade book myself, but it's, it's very slow going because yeah. I'm a slow writer. Yeah, I am too with some books too. Like I have, you know, I have great ideas. And I think my biggest problem is, is I hate endings. And so trying to write it without the ending is difficult. And then committing to an ending, I always feel like, oh, I just closed that door. So, um, but I don't know, it'll, it'll happen. It'll, I'm, I know it will. I just have to like devote the time. And that's part of the reason why I'm taking June off from our book clubs is so I can just write for a month and see where I get. Yeah. And sometimes, no, that's a great idea. Sometimes you might not know the ending till you write it. At least that was for me with Unsettled. I had an idea, but it wasn't so set in stone, but I did another um, verse novel and that one, I had the plot all in my mind and it took so much quicker. So I would recommend having an outline, which I know so many people have already said have an outline, but I didn't have an outline for the first book and it just took me years. And the second book took me months because I had an outline. So, yeah, I think, I think that's the key. I think it's just, you know, I have to just tell myself that, okay, this is how this book ends and that's fine. And like, just write it. And then you can always write another book that ends a different way. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, and I'm pretty decisive in real life. So it's, it's interesting how your writing life is sometimes very different than how you act in the real world. Yes. You know, I'm very much like it is what it is. Let's, you know, like this is, this is the situation we're going to deal with it and move on. But then when I'm writing, I'm all, but it could be this, or it could be that, or Yes. And I feel like when I wrote Unsettled, um, my character sees things and, you know, eventually speaks up and is sort of angry sometimes. Yeah. And I feel like in real life, I'm, I mean, I'm angry inside probably, but I don't always show it. I'm trying to get better at showing my anger. And I learned that when I was teaching, like, if you're angry at something, you need to very specifically show that anger and express why something displeased you. So when I wrote the book, it was kind of cool because I got to thread in this like voice and speaking up and sort of what I wished I had done, you know, when I was that age. So it's interesting how your writing characters can be different from you in real life. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if this is a, a spoiler or not, but did... <laughs> 
did you experience the the bullying that happened in Unsettled? Um, let me think. So, wait, so for Nora or her Yeah, brother? for Nora. That- like, yeah, I mean, where she was just very afraid of dressing differently. And, oh. you know, at first, no one was really even talking to her, like on her first few days of school. And what, oh, what so- was it like for you? Yeah, good question. Mine was not like, so, you know, when I wrote the book, I had to add tension because that was what right, you have to. <laughs> was missing. So I like went back in and I sort of amped things up. But I do remember my grandmother and I actually call her Nana too, um, would she tailored these, they're like really nice uh, kurtas, like with pockets and like piping and sometimes lace. Uh, and they were handmade, like from the tailor. So they were cool, like and very colorful. Like Pakistanis were a lot of color and they're made for hot weather. So really light cotton. And I remember I like wear them every day and they made them into kurtis, which is like a shorter version. So almost like uh, tunic tops. Okay. And I remember... Um, I would wear them like every day. And um, I remember this one girl and she wasn't being rude. She was just curious. She was like, oh, like, why do you dress like that every day? Like, and I was like, just like what? <laughs> you know, like it hadn't really. And then I remember since that day, like, you know, suddenly being like, oh, why do I dress like this? Like, why do my clothes look different? It was like this light bulb moment. And then I was like, oh, my clothes look different. <laughs> so. Aww. Yeah. And then I remembered um, just like the character, I like went to Walmart, like Walmart was huge in my life. And I went to Walmart and, you know, um, so I'm Muslim. So I'm more, I would dress like modestly. So I would get these long sleeve shirts and in the girl section, like I'm, I'm little, but I'd want looser clothes like the kurtas. So I remember like the ladies section had like such ugly long sleeve shirts and I like bought a bunch of them and I remember wearing them to school and I look back at my pictures and I'm like, gosh, that's an ugly outfit. You, know? <laughs> you were probably better off. <laughs> yeah. And the kurtas. So yes. with pockets, which are I like, know. I love pockets. You know? I was about to interrupt you and say, but they had pockets. I know, but, and you know, what was cute. The pockets had like, the pockets looked like pockets. <laughs> they had like, you know, little colorful piping to Aww. show hey, this is a pocket. <laughs> so now when I think back, probably wearing that to school <laughs> does make you look different. So, but I wasn't, you know, I did make friends, um, not immediately, but maybe after a few weeks or yeah. a week. And I, but I didn't go to the level where Nura did, where she's like sitting alone under the stairs. That's so sad. That wasn't me. Um, Good. But yeah. But I did have a friend who I remember um, my lunch period was changed and she said like, oh, hey, do you want to eat lunch with me? And I remember thinking, oh, she wasn't my friend yet. And I remember thinking, wow, like school got so much better when I had a friend to eat lunch with. So that was a bit similar to having a new friend. Yeah, I was just wondering, because I know that, yeah, part of any, you know, uh, part of any plot, you've got to have your your attention. And, you know, you just always wonder, like, how, like, did it, was it really that sad? Because I felt, I felt pretty bad during part of that book. I know, I know. You just don't ever want to see kids feeling left out. Yeah, you don't. And I hope it was also hopeful too. It was. Um, when she did make a friend, I wanted to sort of uh, juxtapose how different life is 
pre-friend and post-friend and sort of encourage kids and children and teens. Like when you see someone sitting alone at lunchtime, like just reach out to them and say, hey, do you want to eat lunch with me? Because those words make such a difference in someone's day and life. You remember those people who reached out to you and asked you, do you want to sit with me to eat lunch? Right? right. I don't know. Do you remember yeah. that? Like, I do make that first friendship move. I do. And we moved a little bit when I was um, a kid, we moved around several times and that was always just the worst part of any new school was, you know, um, just trying to figure out like all the rules that would always be different. You know, there's no like set in stone, like every school does this or that in the same way. And so you were already nervous and not knowing anyone and trying to figure out like, well, where do we go? And like, you know, what's the procedure? And it's just it's like it's it can like really give kids anxiety just trying to figure yes. out everything. Yes. And then when you add that extra layer of moving from a different continent, like things are just different. Like I remember when um, this kid sneezed and um like, you know, you say bless you over here when someone sneezes yeah. and, and then you usually say thank you, right? Like, yes. thank you. And I didn't know that. So I remembered being like, wait, am I supposed to say something when someone says bless you? Like, I remember those awkward moments and I put that in the book. And now I know if someone says bless you, I go, oh, thank you. But I didn't know, like, the things to say, the things to do. Everything just felt so new. Now everything feels normal, but when you're so fresh, everything feels new. Even, you know, that book, it's also a verse novel, Inside Out and Back Again. Um, that character moved from, I think it was Vietnam, and she felt different too when she moved. Yeah. I yeah. I just really think it's so important for all kids to read about, you know, anyone who's different from them just because I think that's how, you know, we're going to change things. And uh, even in like in my, in our homeschool, I was always very careful to add in um, a lot of what homeschoolers call living books, which, uh, which are basically mm -hmm. like historical fiction, right? So okay. if you read about somebody living through say World War II, you may not memorize all the the dates and places of battles but if you know what it was like to you know be in Holland during World War II mm -hmm. and be starving because you know the Nazis cut off your food supply sometimes it's more important mm -hmm. to understand what it was like during a certain time than it is you know I think that maybe the dates are secondary yes exactly you know? that's what makes Anne's Fra Anne Frank's story so powerful right Right, right. And there's like, gosh, there's there's so much good um, historical fiction for kids from World War II. But like really from from every major event, you can find really good stories that are good read alouds and good discussion prompts. Um, yes. Like I was just saying, um, I, Kate Albus. Yes. A place to hang the moon. Just gorgeous. From the first line, you really feel for those three children who they're orphans and they have to, and you have a podcast about it. Yeah. And they, yeah. Um, I heard it. It was really good. And they have to um, find a new home. You know, it just personalizes the whole war experience so much more to us. And, you know, I stand by my complaint that I say every time someone brings up that book, those kids, they had better have gotten a dog at the end of that story. 
I'm uh, hoping that that would have made it perfect. That's what that house needed at the end would be them uh, for them to get a puppy. And then like their lives would then be perfect. Oh, and I just loved how they learned how to bicycle, like ride a yeah. bike. I thought that part was really cool. <laughs> yeah. My daughter's just too. There's so much about that book. I feel like that's like a, like a Insta classic, you know, it's, yes. you can't even tell that it's new. Yes. It just starts off um, so cozy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just, um, it's, it's rare. Yes. You know, um, I don't know. Are you familiar with Enid Blyton, the British author? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it gives me those vibes. And I remember uh, messaging Kate being like, ah, oh, it just, yeah, it's hard to believe that it's her first book because I know with first books, actually, there's so many amazing um, authors for 2021 who I read their books and I think, whoa, like, it just seems like they've written like dozens of books. Their writing voice is so on point. Yeah, I I feel like it takes so long to get a book published now yes. you know what I mean it's like it's a weird thing it's almost like it's like winning the lottery to get your to get your book published but then at the same time there's so many books that come out every month yeah it's it's really um it's really fascinating to see because I feel like I was writing unsettled when my daughter was in preschool and she was like three and now she's eight um so yeah, it just takes years sometimes and also sometimes luck. Like sometimes your manuscript just needs to fall in the right hands of the agent and the editor and all those worlds need to collide and then suddenly a book comes. You know, it's a lot of hard, invisible work. Like, you know how you were saying you're going to take off for June? Mm-hmm. I feel like writing, a lot of times we're just alone in our little writing corners, writing and we're hoping that the words will one day see light. You don't know if they will. So it's a lot of hope too when you write. Yeah. And I, and I feel too, that the people that really stick with it and, and put in all that hard unseen work, it's all, it's gotta be almost a relief that the story is out and complete. Yes. Yes. I know for me, like, I just want May 11th, that's the release date to come and go. And then I can just be like, check, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You're going to run out to all the bookstores and, you know, take those awesome pictures with you and your book on the shelf. Yeah, I can't wait. It's exciting. And I forgot how much almost like behind the scenes work goes in behind a book launch, like my picture book, Amira's picture day got delayed a week. And so it's like both books are now within a month of each other. And I'm like still recovering from Amira's picture day out in the world. And then Unsettled will be out in the world, which will be awesome. Um, it'll, it's just, yeah, I'm not doing much writing. Right yeah. Now. Well, no, that's, it's not your season for that. You know, you've got your yeah. seasons of, of, you know, what you're, what you're concentrating on. And I would say that now you should be like basking in all this, all the glory of everyone loving your words. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. So what spoiler do you want to give us? Oh, okay. So it was funny. My teenage niece was reading my book and um, there's this boy called Aiden in the beginning. And she's like, oh, is something going to happen with them? And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. Read to the end. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because my teenage niece is like really into young adult books. And, you know, like uh, I don't 
read I do read some young adult but I'm really in the middle grade world yeah like, you know it's a little more innocent per se and um so she read the whole book and she was like wait they don't get together and I was like yeah spoiler <laughs> so <laughs> I think um you know so I would probably say the spoiler alert would be that you know he he's not all that and you'll find out in a sad way I guess yeah Sometimes people disappoint you. It's true. Yeah. And sometimes you have to know what people to sort of friend and when it's time to move on from a quote unquote friend, you know? Yeah. And that's something that you still have to, you have to do that your whole life. That's, yeah, I, I always tell kids, I know that you think that things are so difficult now, but like friendships and all that, it's all, it that never ends. Yes, so true. And we all still feel the same, like inside, you know, you still feel like you and it doesn't matter, like if you're 11 or, or 25 or 40. Yeah, you're still you on the inside and you have the same uncertainties and you want people to like you. You don't want to be different. Yes. I think that's why I love middle grade so much because I feel like so many of us remember those experiences so vividly from, you know, when you just became like a teenager and that uncertainty of who you are and what you're learning and things that you might have done that you look back and you cringe and you think, I said that, I did that. Why? And um, I feel like middle grade voice is so fun because usually those characters, they learn a bit, you know, they love their parents, they love their friends and they're finding their place. And I think it's just such a sweet genre, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's, it's really my favorite. I mean, I I read a lot of young adult books too, but a middle grade is definitely where my heart is. Yes. And I didn't even think I would write middle grade for the longest time. Like I was specifically a picture book author. And I remember my agent, Kendra um, Marcus and Elsa Kran from my beginning when I was with them years ago saying, you know, we really think you should write middle grade. And I was like, no, there's no need. And they were like, no, please try. And I remember finally sitting down and trying and then them being like, oh, the voice is there. You should keep it up. And then it took me like five years to giving <laughs> up, going back. But um, yeah, I have so much respect for authors for middle grade and young adult who write, you know, and also picture book authors, because that's really hard too. It is. Writing is very hard. I mean, you're, you're alone a lot and it's all on you because you've got to figure it all out. I mean, you have to, you have to give all the people behind the scenes enough for them to help you shape it but it all has to yes. be there first. So yes, like sometimes um, my agent will make a suggestion and I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, I just wish they could do the work for me, you know, or if the editor <laughs> agent wants something and yeah. they're like, oh, add something here. And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know what to add or dig deeper. And um, the manuscript got seen, but I, it's crazy. Like I got a new agent by uh, Rena Rastner by the end of my manuscript and it, it was good because uh, she pointed out different parts and she was like, okay, dig deeper here. Like, why does Nora feel this way? And I remember going back and I was like, oh, this is so sad because they had to really dig deeper into those sad emotions. But I think now when I look back, it's it's good, you know, that it is some parts are that sad because it will be happy soon. Right. Well, and it really helps all kids to 
you know, remember that everyone, you know, even if you don't know someone that, you know, you want to be kind to them and you want to realize that they, you know, they are unsure and uncertain or maybe new and just really building empathy in kids is, um, I think what middle grade shines at. Yes. Yes. Perfect. So what are you reading? What else? I know you said a place to hang the moon. You've already read that. What are you reading right now lately? Okay, so since we talked about verse novels, I've loved um, Starfish by, I think it's Lisa. Me too. I'm Um, trying to get her to come on this podcast. So if you're listening, please. (laughs) Oh, I can send her a message. I'm in an office group with her. Um, Yeah, it was so good. Like it started off so powerful. And if you're into audiobooks, um, I just heard the audio sample. It's really good, but really good book about like accepting yourself and being proud of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another verse novel, Chris Barron wrote The Magical Imperfect. That was really beautiful. I love how he talks about grandparents and his faith. He's Jewish and best friends. There's these two kids and Ethan and Malia, and they were best friends and they were really sweet. And Red, White and Whole was, have you read that one? I haven't or, read that yet. It's on my I, list though. Okay. Have you read The Magical Imperfect? I have it on my Kindle. I'm gonna um I'm okay. gonna interview him soon, like in two weeks. So Oh, you're gonna love it. And have you read yeah. All of Me? That's um No, that I haven't read. Okay, that's also by Chris Beeran, and that would be a good companion book for Starfish. Okay. So those are really good and red, white, and whole. So I'm Pakistani and Reha, the main character is Indian. And it was really cool because like the first line, I instantly connected with the character. So that was really fun to see someone that looked like me on the page. So that was really beautiful. Okay, let me think. Uh, If you like spooky stories, Ghost Girl by Ali. I don't know how to say her last name, but Malinenko was I'll look it up. Yeah. She's also a new author. I need to connect you. But yeah, um, so many good books. And you know, right now it's interesting. I am actually reading a young adult book. I'm reading The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. Yeah, that's really good. And then there's the sequel, Concrete Rose. Well, it's actually Ah. more like a prequel. Oh, I haven't read that. Is it out? Yeah, it just came out a couple months ago. So you can, after you finish The Hate You Give, then you go back and uh, Um. then you can read Concrete Rose. I got a book in the mail today and I'm, it's totally not as serious as all the books that we've mentioned. It's called the cryptid cat, the cryptid catcher. It's by (laughs) Leah Fisher. And I'm so excited about it because she mailed it to me in an envelope. And there was a sticker on the front (laughs) that said Bigfoot believes in you. And I laughed so long and so hard because it was so random, but like, I was like, what a great thing to, <laughs> to make stickers of. I thought kids yeah. will love that. So, no, I love that. I, what's the book called again? The Cryptid Catcher. Oh, so C-R-Y-P-T-I-D. Is that how you say that? Um, you know, like Bigfoot, what are they? Aren't they called yes. cryptids or something? I need to so, look that up. This one's really interesting and Yeah, funny. it looks really, really funny. So... I'm looking forward to that. And then I've got a more serious book. It's a YA book. It's a a graphic novel called Save It for Later. 
And it is oh, written cool. and illustrated by the by Nate Powell. And he did the March graphic novels. I don't know if you saw those. Oh, yes. And so Yes, I have one. Right, I do too. So this book is basically his own experience, you know, with with protesting and you know being being out in 2020 and 2021 with his daughter. And so that just came out. It says April 2021. So that sounds really good too. What's the title of that one again? It's called Save It for Later. Save it for later. I need yeah. to, um, I'm going to listen to this and write all this down. It sounds Yeah, really I'm going to put cool. it all in the show notes too. Awesome. I love um, graphic novels too. And I do too. Like March. Yeah, that's why I was so excited. And I love it. I love, love, love it when books just show up in the mail like this. So like any publishers listing, you know, <laughs> just feel free to drop books in the mail to me because that's like the best. Oh. <laughs> so, well, I want to thank you for being on here today and telling us all about Unsettled. And I'm hoping that when our, I'm going to have, I think it's the tween group. So 10 to 12 year olds will be reading Unsettled. And if they have any questions, I'll be hitting you up through email to, um, to answer sure. anything. Yeah, I would be um, more than excited to answer them because at this point, it's, um, Right now, when are we filming? It's April. So right now I'm in the before release. So I have a lot of librarians and educators reading the book, which is so exciting. But I'm also looking forward to an actual kids read the book. Yes. Yes. So so this fall, when we start back up, I think it's going to be in October. So okay. I will uh, I will get back to you when it's closer till. So awesome. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. And I love learning about all the books and I hope your book comes out beautifully. Oh, thank you. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at bookish underscore society and on Twitter at bookish society. And of course, on our website, thebookishsociety.com. Thanks again to Chris Rieger for his audio engineering magic.